Welcome to Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley. It's uh, 3-29-2023, and we're ready to begin our worship service. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time we have this evening. We thank you for life, health, and strength. And Father, we thank you for the good news at uh, Mike's house, uh, where Deborah is home, and I'm told she's healing uh, day by day. So we thank you for seeing her through the difficult surgery. Also, Father, I'm sure there are many others who are here who have thoughts about uh, loved ones that may be in the hospital, and we may not mention them. Father, you know the hearts of each person here. We pray for them uh, even now, even though we don't know who they are, we, our prayers go out to them as well. So, Father, we pray as we begin our uh, study that you will give us wisdom as we focus on the passages of Scripture that are ahead of us. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So, as, as you all know, we are in the book of Romans. We still are in uh, Romans 12, too. We started this about <laughs> the mid-March. And we're at the end of March, so we've been here almost, uh, this will be probably the third lesson or so, where we have been talking about this important subject. It is important, because we want to know what is required of us in this world. How do we please God? What is doing God's will? And all of those things, right? We... All of us have that in our minds as to how we could possibly please the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and work in coordination and conjunction with God the Holy Spirit. That's got to be the top of mind for everybody in this world who is a believer. Now, of course, we all have our own agendas, so <clears throat> it may not be, but it is God's intention to, to get us there. So we're going to get right into it. Uh, these, this is an important uh, thought here. So I know we can't redo all that we've done. I'm sure there would be more thoughts, but let's get to also in your notes as we continue our worship subject. The subject is worship. Paul gives us more description of what God requires. We will hear from God in these verses about what we should be doing after salvation. God has a plan for our lives. And our first goal is to, quote, find out what pleases the Lord, unquote. That's Ephesians 5.10. We need to take our time with these verses because they describe, describe our motivation for, the motivation for our walk. So what we have covered already, do not conform to the pattern of, of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then we got into point uh, number four. We, we've been talking about the renewing of your mind. So before we get to four, I'm just going to rehearse quickly. Point F, 3F, renewing your mind. First thing to consider is what is in our mind. What is it that needs to go? And we're going to eventually talk about what do we need to replace it with. So one is culture, a general term for the ways of this world, the social norms and standards learned from living in this world's societies. All of us have culture. <clears throat> it may be different, but all of us have it. I'm not saying that every, the fact that we lived in this world, well, we didn't really have a choice. But God is going to take us, so, and he's going to renew our minds so that we have a new purpose for life. And that's going to impact culture. So these are things that even though, listen, there's no harm that anybody here uh, was raised in a particular culture over another or this uh, culture over that. That's not the point point is that we are going, God is 
is saying that the Holy Spirit is here to renew our minds. Two, traditions. What is learned from specific locales, societal ways, practices, customs, sometimes secular or religious. So traditions, they're not necessarily bad, but God is going to work on our hearts. And believe me, when he's done with us, we will not have uh, the same thought about culture or traditions. And then there's religious training. Now, this is the most impactful of all three. Uh, and, and as I said before, when we went over these things, uh, some of them will overlap. They are not just one definition. The definitions overlap here. But religious training, what may be learned about God and how to respond to God or worship. So religious training, this is our subject, is worship. And we're going to find out what best pleases God. We're going to have to know what does please him before we can respond properly and worship. So those are key things. So we covered some more things. What is in our mind are things that we are accustomed to, things that we love or hate. Just think about it. If you love something uh, and you firmly believe it and you love it, you trust it, it becomes a part of who you are. You're proud of it. It speaks of you. You stand up for it. You defend it. It's part of your persona in this world. Or you can hate something and all of, all of this can be taught by your culture or traditions or religious training. And you could come to hate something. And it could also be something that you have tied your identity to. So, or things that we accept or reject as truth uh, from those respect, we respect in the world. And I gave some examples, Luke 12 you know, and 14, where Jesus is saying, except you hate father or mother or sister or brother, and he goes into great detail to say that what he is asking of you is deeper than your family relationships. So if, you're, if you trust in Christ, but your mother or father do, do not, then there's going to be a separation. And you need to prefer Jesus over family uh, traditions or cultures or religious training. And as I said, the direct application to this is a Jewish family where Christ came and families were split, divided about who Jesus was. And some believed, some didn't. It caused the rift. And we know that uh, if you go to uh, John chapter 9, we had the story about the blind man. And he came to believe in Jesus Christ. But his parents were afraid. And why was, were they afraid? Is because they had decided already that anybody who uh, follows or believes in Jesus will be put out of the synagogue. Today, that's not a big deal. If somebody says, well, <laughs> you're gonna, if you do this or that, you're going to be put out of the church. Well, that's no big deal for us. But for the Jews, it was their life wasn't just, oh, I'm leaving that church. I'll go to another one. I'll pick up another. Oh, I went to First Baptist in this area. I'll go to the First Baptist in another area. No, it's not that at all. You might Your job may be, have been related to this. and you know, People would shun you. They wouldn't talk to you. They would do everything they could to make you regret that decision. They would turn, as I <laughs> would say, the religious screws, they would tighten those religious screws and persecution sort of make you really think about that decision. And so Jesus is saying, if you love them more than me, then you're not worthy of me. Because the things that we love, we hate, and you know, what's interesting is everybody thinks that what they believe is true. To start, this is just, I mean, we, we should just say this, right? Everybody has been raised in a family and they have taken from that family things that they love and hate. Beliefs, religious beliefs, religious training, 
or none, right? If your family gave you none, then you walked away believing that there were none. But everybody can't be right, can they? Let's reason this for a minute. I know we can all say, yeah, everybody doesn't have to be right, but my family was right. I know we could possibly say that, but my family, well, we had it right. Everybody says that. Everybody feels comfortable with the things that they believed as a child and were taught by their authority. Everybody does. But what is the true test of that? Is it real? And when we grow up and we are able to objectively examine our own faith, we have to look at it and say, was it? Is it according to the Bible? I know we want it to be, but is it? How can we test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect, if we are not objective? We can't. So, the things we, listen, when we have our minds transformed, it is not going to be what we think. It's not going to be according to our family truth, or what we were taught necessarily. I'm not saying everything that they believed was wrong. But let's look at it this way. If there was a culture that is close to God, let's just think about it. If, if there was a specific culture that was close to God, what culture would that be? Which one would that be? I can answer that for you. It would be Israel, the nation Israel. That would be the culture. You know why? Because God designed that nation so that they would be the priest nation for the world. His peculiar nation. It would be them. It wouldn't be us. It wouldn't be a Gentile nation, for sure. <laughs> Just think about it. And then on top of that, when we talk about Israel, Israel had gone off the rails. <laughs> if we were going to use a pun here. Israel is... They were corrupt. So even though God did establish the nation through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and gave them the Mosaic Law and all that, delivered them from Egypt and on and on, they went astray from God. They were rebellious. And it's just looking at their... So how can we follow their culture when it says that they had been constantly resisting the spirit just as their forefathers did so the very heart of their uh, spiritual life should have been the lord jesus christ but they relied on the mosaic law for righteousness and of course in as imperfect as we are from adam they couldn't possibly keep that so no culture no religious training is, we have to be willing to distrust our religious training more than trust it. It's okay that you trust it. You know why? Because everybody starts out somewhere. But you have to be open-handed. You have to be willing to allow God to tell you what he wants, what pleases him. If we're not willing to do that, then we are we are we will never come to learn objectively what God wants us to do while we're here. So that's important. Those things. Point H, even though we look like everyone else in the world, we are to be transformed into what God called us from eternity past. Remember. That transformation, and this is how we started this church in the beginning. It's sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. How will people distinguish us? And Well, that goes into point I. How are we transformed by the truth? Your word is truth. We're distinguished in this world by what we think. And what we think is what God has renewed our minds with. We call it truth. Truth is what the Holy Spirit uses to transform us. Sanctify them by the truth. Not our culture, not our traditions, not our religious training, but the truth. It's different from all of that. 
And I'm not saying we were, we were raised and we just have to just turn off everything we ever knew. We keep what we know anyway. We're going to keep it. No matter what I say, you're going to keep what you know as truth until it is challenged by the word of truth. Then you have a decision to make. Once God shows you what truth is, you have a decision. It's your decision. I'm not taking it away from you. God's not going to take it away from you. But you have it. And whether you are transformed by the truth depends on you. You're following the spirit of truth. Point J. Transformation is sanctification. And we covered this, but I just wanted to, to say... This is important to say it this way, because transformation is leading and guiding us into all truth, and that's specific truth. When people talk about sanctification, it's not, it's non-specific. It's more like, well, you just got to grow up in the Christian life. You got to get, grow. You got to do good things. You got to learn how Jesus walked, and you got to do good things, and Really, what they are saying is the purpose for us in the church is basically the same as it was for Israel. And all we ought to do is out, be out there witnessing, be out there doing the things Israel was supposed to do. But that is not our calling. It's not saying we neglect those things. But the transformation process is about our calling, where he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's what our transformation is about. Of course, of course we're going to be witnessing the gospel. Of course we're going to be ministers of reconciliation. But in that transformation, it is not general, it's specific. It's going to tell us who we are in Christ. It's going to inform us what is our role down here as well what the father's plan is that's included now if you, there's some things along the way that you can reject where you will not you will not allow the spirit to take you there that happens for people but when we say transformation we're talking about the truth we're not just talking about well the general term for sanctification that most people use Point K, we have a guide to show and influence us to believe the truth. And we already covered some of this, John 16, 12, and 13. That's God, that's the Holy Spirit, or also known as the Spirit of Truth. Point number four, the Spirit of Truth is our agent in the transformation process. Now, so this this is key. So we need to talk about this because we we're not coming up with this on our own. Honestly, we must depend and rely on the spirit of truth. There is nothing we can do to forge ahead on our own, to make up our own way of life. You know that would be that would be religious. Religious people design how are they going to please God? And they say, God, you must accept it. You see how ardent and sincere we are. You must accept who we are. And God says, no, it is my plan. I'm the one who created all things because I have this plan. And we have to have, in humility, we have to submit to the Father's plan. So he's our agent. Without him, we can't be transformed. If you, we, we read a couple scriptures. Uh, uh, the, the one who has the spirit it tells you you can uh, judge us all things and so forth. But the one without the spirit, it's not good. He can't understand the things of God. Certainly, the the things the spirit of truth is trying to lead us into. He wouldn't. He would reject those things because he's rejecting the spirit. So let's look at. A little more, uh, point A, we discuss what information should be renewed. Now we must discuss what information should replace it. Think about it. If we are trans our minds are going to be transformed, we talked about that. It's a very serious process. Um, how, how does it happen? 
it happens for each one of us every time the truth that we hear is illuminated by the Spirit. So the Word of Truth, the Spirit operates on the Word of God. Right? So the Word of God, in particular, is the New Testament. Why would we say that? Because a lot of people might say, well, wait a minute. Isn't the whole Bible truth? <laughs> yes, yes. But this new truth that, that the Spirit of Truth has come, is, is come to illuminate not the Old Testament, which was already here, but the New Testament, which was not. In fact, the information that the Spirit is using to renew our minds was not found in the Old Testament. It was a mystery. Why, why do we use that term mystery? Because it was hidden in God. He did not reveal it prior to any generation. He didn't reveal it to prophets, to Israel, to anybody. So we can safely say that the information that we have, that we are given to think or be led into thinking, is unique. It is New Testament. Now, do we throw, can we throw away the Old Testament since we... I'd said that? No, we cannot. Don't, don't think about it that way. Understand how God dealt with Israel. Understand that that's part of our, uh, the plan of God, to have that dispensation. So that now he can call out those many sons in the glory in this dispensation. So it helps us understand the plan of God in a fuller sense. Not just to say, well, let's let's talk about let's talk about the church age. Right? There's going to be many analogies and references to the Old Testament, and it would be good to be familiar with what's going on there. No doubt about it. But the truth that's going to transform us is not found in the Old Testament scriptures. It's the New Testament, the epistles. That's. That's where we gain understanding. Okay, so uh, point B, truth. Truth, uh, we should define what truth is and, and what it is not for us, right? So let's look at some of these points. I don't know if we covered this last time. I don't think we did, but let's, we'll go through it. Point one, for all... Truth is the revelation of God, whether it be creation, Old Testament, New Testament information uh, from the, the invisible God. So God, you cannot see God. If we were to take our, our eyeballs as far as they could see or even into the space or wherever, we would never see God because God is invisible. You can't see God. He's a spirit. And when we think about that, how do we know such a God exists? We know from the things that he has done, right? Creation. God, he tells us, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows forth his handiwork. So we could look at what God did and we can understand who God is to some degree by that. Then there's also other ways, of, and that's truth. That's the truth. You look at creation, it says there's a divine creator, no doubt about it. And that's Old Testament information, the revelation that's in the Old Testament is still considered truth. Truth is the revelation of God. It's just that now what augments the testimony of God and the revelation of himself, which he calls truth, is this New Testament information that we have. So it is all in the category of truth, but so you could say the truth that was cre in creation, well, that was for everybody, because we all wake up to creation and we say, man, isn't this awesome? Look at the splendor, the madness the majestic way that he has formed everything. We can see God in that to some degree. But the New Testament information or the Old Testament information is the revelation of God. This is God, thus says the Lord, God, who made the heavens and the earth. And 
He gets to tell us who he is through the written word and what he has documented through prophets and dreams and visions. But it says in these last days, he's spoken to us by means of his son. So truth is the revelation of God. Point two, we need the Holy Spirit to interpret truth as it is revealed in the scriptures. So God didn't just give us the scriptures and say, go for it, figure it out yourself. The Holy Spirit was there all the time. In the Old Testament, he was there. And in the New Testament, he's there, especially for this new revelation. He's not just here, oh, well, generally speaking, to tell us about salvation. And, and that is important. I'm not belittling that. Because without salvation, we can't even go a step further with God. But the Holy Spirit is there, relentlessly working on the hearts of every person to try to turn them to Christ, to give them enough light so that they can understand what the issues are in the gospel, so that they can believe. And it's behind-the-scenes work. The Holy Spirit is invisible. I know a lot of people want to make him visible, right? But he's invisible. You can't see him. But he is at work, just like God was there, and he outed himself when he created all things. Well, the Holy Spirit is outing himself when he is revealing the Word of God. In the Old Testament, he was at work, and now in this New Testament, he's called new, a new role, Spirit of Truth, when the Comforter, when Jesus said, when he comes... He will lead and guide us into all truth. So the truth that we have, that's important to know. It is specific. God hid it from all other generations and human beings and angels. And he waited until now. It has to be special. So uh, we have to have the Holy Spirit to interpret what truth is. We cannot interpret it on our own. We have no frame of reference for God. He, he's, a, he's, he's not a man. He's a, a being that is far beyond who we are. And his experience is far different from ours. So he's not going to just talk to us and we'll immediately understand. There has to be a means of communication. Listen, we can't even talk to people in other, other countries. There has to be a medium of communication, right? Somebody has to interpret what we're saying so they can understand it and vice versa. The Holy Spirit interprets the revealed scriptures. He's the one who tells us, yeah, it says that. Let me tell you what it means. I know you can read and I know you read that. Let me tell you what it means. Point three. To us... Truth is related to the new dispensation. So all of this is related, right? It's not just, okay, we got some new information, but that we can add into the old information. <laughs> no. The old dispensation. We are not Israel. I don't care if we wanted to act as though we were Israel or if we wanted to convert to Judaism or, or whatever we, we tried to do. We cannot be an Israelite in this age unless we were already born with the genes of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then God tells you, if you were a Jew, you're not anymore. <laughs> so we, if you're in this age and you believe in Christ, you cannot be a Jew, even if you wanted to. I don't know why somebody would want to, but you can't be a Jew, no matter what. It's not within our choices to make. It's God's choice. Yes, I know we were a Gentile. I know you may have been a Jew, but not anymore. It's, God has taken that choice away from us. But this also relates to this dispensation. This is the, the age in which God is calling out those many sons into glory. So Ephesians 3, 2, and 9. Let's look at a couple scriptures. Uh, we'll go quickly. Ephesians 2. I'm sorry, Ephesians 3, verses 2 and 9. <clears throat> the reason I mention both of these verses is because the word dispensation is in it. I know there are some people who want to talk about 
dispensations is not valid. Well, I said, what are they, where do we get this stuff from? Well, here's where we get it from, right here in the Bible. The word is right here. Surely you have heard about the administration. That word administration is the word for dispensation, oikoinomia. It's the same word. Well, what is this thing that Paul's talking about that we should have heard about? Which uh, administration of God's grace, which was given to me for you? Well, first of all, if you don't believe in dispensations, you got a problem already right here. You don't believe there are dispensations. What is he talking about? And then he goes on to say, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit, Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So it wasn't revealed in the Old Testament. So it does relate to time, a time period. So if this dispensation was hidden, it was a mystery, it wasn't known, people, people didn't foresee it, it wasn't prophesied in the Old Testament, oh, we're going to have this new dispensation that's coming, you know, after Christ goes through death, burial, and resurrection and ascension. It wasn't there. So there must have been a previous dispensation. Right? There must have been. If there was, if ours, our time period is called a dispensation, there must have been a previous one in which God operated in a different manner. He ruled over his house in a different way. That's what the word means. So then, verse 9, here he says, and to make plain to everyone... Right? Now, Paul says in 8, he's, he's less than the least of the Lord's people. This grace was given him to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. Again, the same word is used in 2 as it is in 9. And what do we mean by, by saying that? That it is not just, okay, we're here. We're just, we're just an extension of Israel. No, it's our job to make it plain, to make it perspicuous to everyone. Gen whether they're Gentiles, they were Jews, this is what's going on right now. And it's our job to talk about it to everyone. And then if you go into 10, which we didn't go into in the notes, his intent was that now through, uh, through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So this manifold wisdom of God, many-faceted wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers. That's angels in the heavenly realms. They didn't know about it, but they're learning about it through the church. So this, this is big. We can't neglect. You can't just say, well, yeah, I'm going to be sanctified by the truth when we don't pay attention to what the truth is. We, it makes sense that it, it cannot be nonspecific. We have to get out of this general way of thinking about the truth. It is not a general way of thinking about it. Because the more we talk about it, the less people think they understand it. They reject it. All of dispensations can't be true. Uh, the conclusions you're jumping to here, uh, I don't see... But where I'm jumping to conclusions, but I'd like for someone to point out to me, why are we jumping to conclusions? Why do you say that? When this is what the Bible says. Since, since it is revelation, it's God's truth. It's not ours being revealed specific to his plan and purpose for all things. This is point number four. And since we're already in Ephesians 9 through 11, we already read 9. 10, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known, should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Notice 11, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So from 9 to 11, really 8 through 11, he's telling us what his eternal purpose is. Eternal purpose is for all things. Why did God create all things? Well, it's for this reason. 
this got to be big. <laughs> like Ed Sullivan would say, it's really big. It's a big show. This is big. This, this matches the biggest thing you can imagine has happened since the understanding of salvation. This is big. This is even bigger than salvation because we didn't do anything in salvation. We just had to learn and then believe. Well, here we are participating with God in this new dispensation and his, his revealing of this new dispensation. So there it is. It's, it's, it's not our revelation. It's God's revelation. Whenever God reveals himself, it will be wise for man to pay attention, to listen, to have humility towards it. Because this information, as, the, as it says, that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and neither has it entered into the heart of man. God is getting ready to re reveal his purpose. And it's important. Five. Five. To us, uh, I'm sorry, here. Yeah, truth then, as used by Jesus' preparation for the church, is new and exclusive. Think about that. If you've been with me from John 14 through 17, then you know what I mean by Jesus' preparation for the church. Because he said, on this rock I will build my church. Well, he showed us some of how he was building his church. He gave us an introduction through the disciples. He had that recorded for us so we could see it and study it and learn and grow. But he, he called those disciples. He told them the unique nature of what was coming. He, he did all that. Uh, and, and it was it was fantastic for us to learn. It was things that we didn't we had to be expecting something big from the way he spoke about this new dispensation coming. We we should have been on the edge of our seats. I'm not going to talk about what the church did with it, but that should have been our expectation. Point six. For us, truth is certainly not the Old Testament. We read it, 1 Corinthians 2, right, 7, 9, and 13. So this whole concept of mystery that Paul uses is definitive to say that the information that we have is not from the Old Testament. It has not been revealed. It is fresh off the presses of revelation of God, never before seen. So if you think it's something that people has, they have seen, well, you missed it because verse, well, let's look at a couple. No, verse seven, no, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Our glory? Hidden? God destined this for us? Remember we read, he chose us in him before the creation of the world. And then 9 through 13, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Now, here, follow this, because those who, those who love him is the same as in verse 7, right? <clears throat> or, or is it, um, no, verse 6. We do, however, speak a mystery among, uh, a message of wisdom among the mature among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery. So notice, those who are mature in verse 6 and 7 are the same ones down here in verse 9 that God has prepared for those who love him. So it is not a basic thought. It comes, this coming to love God here isn't just, I just love him, I just love him, I just love him. No, it has to do with that you are committed, devoted to God's eternal purpose. That's what you love, his eternal purpose. And that's why the wisdom is destined for our glory. 
before time began. These are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. His spirit, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And there's much more that could be said. These verses do tell the story. Point six. Well, that was point six. It's certainly not in the Old Testament. Point seven. Truth can be defined as the reality and thinking of God related to his hidden purpose. So when we think about truth, it is not, well, let me tell you about some other planets that are out there and people living on these other planets. I know you don't know anything about it. Let me explain. There's, let me, no, the truth is about all creation. What was in the mind of God? What are his thoughts, his motives, his intentions? His, the, and, and how do his actions line up with all that he intended to do? So he has a plan. He has an internal purpose. That's what the mystery is relative to. That's what it's about. And when we think about that, you couldn't have known that information unless God revealed it. And he said he didn't reveal it prior. But now... He's letting us know what's the truth about all things and what, what his intentions were. What does he want out of creating all things? All of that is now revealed in the mystery for those who care to look. Point eight, what may be objectively true to us is not the hidden truth. Or, you know, we, that's creation, Old Testament, right? That is not what God has revealed to us in the mystery. It's Now, of course, obviously, we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about the deeper things, what, what the Bible calls the deep things of God. What may be objectively true to us, well, what I'm saying there, it's because something's true. And if you investigate it and you realize, is it false, is it true? It's true. It may not be biblically related, but people think what's, when something's true, then that's truth. That's not, that's not the same thing. What could be objectively true is that I came home at a certain time, I walked in the door at a certain time. That's true. But that's not re the revelation of the Holy Spirit just because something is tr objectively true. That's not it only way we can understand the truth that God is talking about is from God the Holy Spirit. We have to have humility to allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us into all truth. And that is objectively unique for us who have it. It's not the objective truth that the world has or that unbelievers can also concur. It, this is specific to the church. So point, that's uh, point eight, nine. Truth defines the new dispensation and new creation and God's hidden agenda. So there it all is. And I'm going to slow it down because we're going to stop. And uh, we'll talk about this point, but then we'll... We'll pause to see if there are any thoughts, follow-ups. I know we're going into um, close to where we've got to end, so uh, we're going to take a moment. But let's just look at this last point here, point nine. Truth defines the new dispensation and new creation. Now, so when we say the new dispensation, that, that reveals a time period. Well, what's that time period? It began at Pentecost, according to Jesus. <laughs> well, we have it on good good word that it began at Pentecost, according to Jesus, right? And then it ends at the rapture of the church, where God's going to, those who are in Christ, he's going to bring the ones that are in heaven, and he's going to raise those who are, who have, who have, uh, are alive and remain, and we're going to receive our resurrection bodies. So it does deal with a time period, and it deals with the new creation. So it didn't just mean, we're not just people here. We are those who have undergone the new assets 
that belong to the church. There are five new assets. One of those is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us into all truth is part of the filling of the Spirit. If we were to say filling of the Spirit, and under that we could say A, teaching. The teaching ministry of the Spirit. That is his influence and in teaching, informing and equipping us to walk in truth. So just to, we don't want to finish, we want to finish this point, point nine here. So, and his hidden agenda. And, and I use 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, any person is in Christ, they are a new creation, a new creation. That's unique, never before seen. And that is part of what was hidden in God, not revealed. So it defines that for us when we talk about truth. We could have never known about the new dispensation. We could have never known about the the new creation and God's agenda, his hidden agenda, what was his purposes to call many sons into glory. We would have never understood that. We could have never figured that on our own. God has to reveal that to us. So we're going to pause. We'll finish this as we'll keep going on. No rush, but there's, there's more, of course, but uh, we're going to pause for a minute to see if there are any thoughts out there, any questions questions and anything that wasn't clear or anything that is related to what we are talking about uh, so the floor is open I just think there was a, a lot of information to um, retain. I think a lot of it we have, we have heard before um, that the, uh, one of the things that stands out is the contrast between needing to know in regard to the salvation, the gospel, and the want to know and as far as the uh, the plan and the revelation of God is concerned. And, yeah. um, you know, the, the love that is required as motivation for that humility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it's really transforming in, in so many ways. Right, right, right. You know, um, when we think about salvation and, and all that happened through that, and we see how we were uh, put into Adam and, you know, that whole design and how we came into this world thinking that we, you know, knew God. and But it was all in spiritual death. But we find out that that, that was spiritual death. And then now that we are awake to understand or we're born again, and we start, we start to come to understand what our true purpose is and the hidden agenda of God and all of those things. Now, of course, you might say, well, it's a lot for us to learn. I mean, and we, we talked about it here, certainly. We have covered it in a lot of detail, but I think since we're on these verses, it's an opportunity for us to look again at what, Maybe more things can be put together. But I would say, as we look at these things that define us, that are the foundations of our thinking and our worship and how we please God, I, I would say, you know, it's a privilege for us to know this. But as from God's perspective, He says, for those who grow up and do learn this, He's saying there's going to be rewards. So he's saying we have used our free will in this manner to allow God the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us in all truth. He will reward us at the judgment seat of Christ. So he, 
He doesn't see it as, oh, you don't have any participation in this. No, you do have some participation. You have to want this. It can't be just casually, oh yeah, I believe, and that's the end of it. No, you got to want this in order to have a transformed mind. God, the Holy Spirit, is going to run over you and then uh, you wake up and you tra- your mind is transformed. It doesn't work that way. And that's why, because you ne- God needs your cooperation for this, he will reward every person who grows up. And he tells us that his goal for us is that we reach the fullness and stature of Christ. That's in uh, Ephesians 5. Or in 3 it talks about that we right, reach, get to the measure of all the fullness of God. Which he says at the end of Ephesians 3. So it, it is important that we... This information is optional, we could say. But if we want to learn how to please God, if we want to know what pleases God, well, this is what we got to learn. This is it. This is God's plan. This is who we are. What he's made of us. All those things. And at the end of it, if we do come to know these things, there will be rewards. It's, it's interesting that, 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 it, that is how it is. There's no reward for salvation. <laughs> salvation is not a reward. It's a gift. But at the end of the church age, some will receive rewards and some will not. It tells us we have responsibility before God. So, yes, it is, it is telling, certainly. I'll pause. Other thoughts? Yeah. Another other thing, and you, and, you, and you touched on it, was the fact that the Holy Spirit has to reveal these truths to us. You know, I tell a lot of people, you know, they just pick up a Bible and start reading it like a magazine, but they're not going to really get, get an understanding of what they'll say of the Lord. You know, let the Holy Spirit reveal what the Bible is trying to to say. It would just be like reading a magazine. And you have no spiritual understanding. You don't only get a the worldly understanding because God does speak in parables and he does speak in a uh, language that uh, it is deceiving. So as you would just think is the norm, but there's always some spiritual connotation behind what God is saying through his word. And without a pastor, teacher, or the Holy Spirit, it's just not going to be revealed to you. Yeah, I mean, it's a spiritual matter. I think that's a great point as well. It's a spiritual matter. You might realize that, um, you know, in spiritual death, we had a way that seemed right to us. But the end thereof are the ways of death. So, but when it comes to this information, it's about life. And, you know, I think about the whole thought when Nicodemus came to Christ. I mean, he was stirred. He was interested. He wanted to meet Christ. I'm sure he was excited about Christ. And I'm sure that when he got to Christ, he said what was on his mind. He says, you know, we know you come from God and and we've been watching you and the things you do, and we know that nobody can do the things you do except God is with him. Christ didn't want to talk about none of that stuff. He said, Nicodemus, you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. He wasn't just talking to anybody. He was talking to a teacher in Israel, somebody who had some notoriety and was had a plateau in the religious world told him he needed to be born again Nicodemus didn't know what that meant and it was by means of the spirit so you can't even be saved unless the Holy Spirit leads you into salvation and you certainly can't learn the information from God unless the Holy Spirit leads you into that information It just won't happen. What will you do? You'll be like Nicodemus. Very heady, very religious-minded, very uh, ready to talk about the things that are in the law. 
I'm sure he had an agenda of things he wanted to run on and talk about. But Christ told him straight, this is first things first. Let's deal with the most important matter that's major on the majors. Right now, let's talk about it. You must be, you Nicodemus, must be born again. So that meant everything he had learned prior to that, he had learned in spiritual death. That's, that was the realm of information that he had. Death, darkness, that wasn't God. What a scripture in Isaiah couldn't be more true. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. And then on top of this, when we now think about the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth is given to us specifically for this age, specifically for now. He's not coming to reveal Israel or the law or any of that. He's coming to reveal Christ and this new age, what God's plan is, all that. So without the, what God has equipped us with, and then we talk about, so we got to have the Holy Spirit. We end, we, we need pastors, pastors who are talking about this information. If you're not talking about this and you're a pastor, I don't know what in the world you think you're talking about. That you, what are you transforming people's minds into if you're not talking about this? You tell me. If the Spirit's agenda is to talk about this and you're not talking about it, what's your agenda? What are you trying? What is your plan? What are your thoughts and ways? And why are they different from what God's are? So this is, we have to be frank with, with this thought and just say, say it like it is. This information is exclusive. It is. It's not general. It's exclusive. So, and it must be. Now, see, when we talk about the pastor now, there's room for corruption now, because now you're talking about human will. Listen, when it comes to the spirit of truth, we don't have to worry about corruption. We don't have to worry about the spirit of truth veering off and talking about something that is not related or some other. He says he will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He is very specific about what he's here for. He knows what he's here for. We don't want to think that the Holy Spirit is confused. But I could think that pastors could be confused. And while they have the title and the collar and the, the dignity of, call me reverend, please. They may have all that, but they don't have the message. Something's really wrong there. Something is awry. So I'm saying we, we have to pay attention. We, we have to be specific. We can't be general. Not us. We have this information bubbling on the inside of us. How can we be general in the way we understand and teach what is the will of God? How do we worship God now in this age? We have to be specific. I think the more we talk about this, the more we will refine it. I'll, I'll pause. Other thoughts out there? All right, so we've got about seven minutes left, but you guys may want that seven minutes in your pocket, so we could do that. Certainly. All right. Just want to be sure we didn't miss anybody. All right, so we are going to close, and um, hopefully, I mean, there's a lot we covered, a lot to digest, perhaps. I don't know what the word is, but we have opportunity to do that, and we'll pick up next week. No hurry. We want to take our time with these things. Let's bow our heads as we close. Thank you, Father, for this time we had together. We thank you so much for choosing us in Christ before the world began. So, Father, help us to have the proper humility that we can know 
how to to worship properly, to understand, to have our minds transformed into your image. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who blazed the trail and has become a part of who we are now through the baptism of the Spirit. We thank you for your grace, and we thank you for those who have joined us. All of this we pray in Christ's name for his sake. Amen. 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 Amen.